Welcome to Ed Talks, an audio podcast presented by Achieve Minneapolis and the Citizens League in partnership with Indigo Education and Pollen. Ed Talks is a lively series of community conversations about public education and related issues that impact our young people. Each Ed Talks features two compelling short presentations by cutting edge educators, youth advocates, students, artists, or community leaders. Ed Talks is supported by generous grants from the Bush Foundation and the Vern C. Johnson Family Foundation. This Ed Talks focuses on how education administrators can create supportive workplaces. Our featured speaker is Nate Eklund. After spending 15 years as a high school English teacher, Nate authored a book on workplace cultures in schools and founded Eklund Consulting. Today, he works in a variety of industries to develop thoughtful leaders, engaged employees, and workplace cultures that are vibrant and fulfilling for all. This Ed Talks was recorded in front of a live audience at Ice House in Minneapolis on April 23, 2018. Thank you for having me tonight, and thanks for coming out on this beautiful evening, and thank you for emceeing tonight. So when you hear this question, how was your day at school? Um, where are we when we hear the question, who are the characters involved in the setting? Kids. Kids. At home, dinner. At home, dinner time. Parents. Parents. Very good. And when we anticipate the answer from said kid in the house at dinner time, what sort of responses, maybe as a parent, are we um, anticipating from our children? Fine. Fine. Good. Boring. If they come out in their home and they're really fired up from a day of, of teaching, who or what are they generally talking about? Okay, so peers. What's that? Maybe had a sub that day. Really depends on the sub. So something just turned them on um, academically, some, and they, they want to ooh with it. Now when they come back and they've had a really horrible day and they seem down, or they're not enjoying themselves, or they're not excited to get up the next morning, who or what are they talking about? Peers. Teachers. Not engaged. So when we ask the question, how was your day at school? When we ask the question of educators in the school, their answers and their experiences are largely the same as our young people. A good day is marked by a really wonderful time with peers, with their friends, or they're turned on by a book and they're excited about it, or they're fed and passionate about what they're doing, and so they're fired up. And on the days, perhaps, if these occur, where they're not as excited to go to work, it's the same stuff. Tension with peers, a feeling that maybe they're not doing that great. I don't know what the equation is for sub, but we could, we could flesh that one out too, but we're just going to leave that one alone for a bit. When we think about what I just said, there's a key word that maybe you missed, and that was work. Teachers, uh, we refer to the language of education as a calling 
we refer to it in the language of, of, of some kind of a, um, a, a, a higher calling than just employment. So for 19 minutes, I want you to flip a switch where we're thinking about working in a school as a job, where a principal is a boss, where a colleague is a coworker, where a classroom is an office. And do that flip of the switch without thinking that it's anathema to loving kids and taking care of them and teaching them and make sure they're happy. So we're going to spend 18 minutes in that thought process. I was, uh, I was compelled by that question myself, Ron, how was your day at school? Because I was a teacher for a long time, and I came home most days actually loving my job. Um, my wife is here, and I think she would agree that most of the time I was having a really wonderful time. That's because most of the time I really loved my colleagues, coworkers, my boss, my principal, my workplace, my classroom. For the most part, I really loved it. But I asked the question when I left the classroom um, and did not go into administration because I had an administrator who suggested that I wasn't going to be a very good administrator. So I decided, well, what do I care about? And I still cared deeply about capital E education and capital T teaching, but needed to figure out another way to, to um, influence what I cared so passionately about. So I left uh, the classroom in 2006 and spent two years researching workplace culture and climate in schools and educator job satisfaction. And authored this book. I know you've read it, but I'll show it to you again. Um, how, how was your day at school? Improving dialogue about teacher job satisfaction. And then in 2010, authored a survey that essentially measured the book, and that led to what I do now, which is working with schools around the country, simply looking at adult job satisfaction, community of teachers and, and, and leaders who teach and lead together, peer-to-peer -peer relationships, and the idea of retaining and recruiting world-class people into education. So that's what I do now. In fact, there are people in the room with whom I am doing that work presently, and they can tell you whether or not I'm lying or not. Dang it. <laughs> I don't know who that was. One of the things we hear a lot about in education is that we have a pending teacher shortage. Um, and it's not untrue. It's just that we don't talk about it very well. So the reality is, is that 50% of teachers leave the profession in the first three to five years of teaching. That is true. It might even be worse. And it's also true that those numbers are largely the same for administrators. So those numbers are pretty bad. And we have pie charts that, that show that we have a huge teacher shortage. And a teacher shortage, by the way, which is only going to get into more crisis mode and be more dire in the next decade. But I don't actually know if we really have a shortage, or at least if we do, I'm not sure that's the problem. If I had a balloon full of water and I poked a hole in it and the water was going out, I would not cite that we have a water supply problem. So as the water flows out of the profession, our job as, 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 as a community, as learners, as educators, as thinkers, as policymakers, is to say, how do we keep the water in the balloon while also filling it up with more? So I don't know if we have a shortage problem. I think we, the main crisis is that we fail to keep the good ones that we have and create an attractive enough profession to have more people come into it. 
So I want to explore this a bit further. So we have a survey called the, um, the, the uh, School Workplace Satisfaction Survey. It's about 70 items on it. So I cherry-picked the ones that proved my point the most. Um, so, and then I made a very sexy slide. So, because um, this is my gift. On the very top of Mount Job Satisfaction is the question, I believe being an educator is an important job. Nearly 80% of 40,000 teachers who have taken our survey strongly agree with that comment. That number happens to be going down over the last five years, but that's another topic of conversation. I like the person I am at work has about a 60% strongly agree. So you have about 80% this is important, and generally I feel pretty good about who I am when I'm here. About 50% strongly agree that if I could do it over, I would still choose my current role in education. So 80-ish, 60-ish, 50-ish. I would recommend education as a career to young people has hovered for a decade of our data around 20%. People strongly agreeing. So let's climb the mountain back up for a second. So we're gonna spend an iota of time in doom and gloom, but then we're really gonna pick things up at the end. This is super important what I do, and I like myself while I do it. And if I could still do it, for the most part, I would still do it. But you probably shouldn't do this. So if we look at the teacher shortage, if we look at the, if we look at the idea of, of, of a shortage, I'm afraid that the existential crisis facing education is worse than the pie chart. The data actually paints a rosier picture. So if you want to know what we're battling for to, to reflect, I was going to say the R, not ref to um, rethink education. I think this would be a really great place to start. The other thing about teaching, of course, is that that was like my grandfather. I'm pointing this at the screen. Um, <laughs> I like teaching is one thing, and I like I don't like the job is another thing. Teaching is being around kids. Teaching is spending time with the novel. It's, 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 it's revisiting Shakespeare every year. It's, it's, it's frog dissection. It's whatever the thing is that turns us on. That's teaching. Telling, getting kids fired up to love learning and to love being in, around us. That's teaching. And we have a whole framework that emotionally, professionally, spiritually that, that we engage in in how we navigate what teaching is. And when we go to college and get our degrees to, to study teaching, that's what we're studying. At no point when we're learning how to get our, our, our teaching uh, degree do we study um, faculty meetings or department meetings or parent-teacher conferences. Because that's the job. So if we look at this, much better, the work environment at the school, or what I wanted when I became a teacher, 
only 9% of our respondents actually think about the job that they're doing in this environment. This is their work. How many of you are or have been a classroom educator? <laughs> so, uh, I'm sorry, I just, I, I, my people. Uh, so, um, um, when your kid, I remember my students on a Friday afternoon would, would just kind of assume that I would recede into the closet behind my desk and the doors would close and, and then and then on Monday mornings hey good morning and I so this idea no this is a part of my life just like any other job is and so I want to enjoy it and I want to work in an environment where there's two people who can show up happy energized excited Mr. Eklund and then this other version of him a lesser version of this human being. As a parent, we have, two, we have two boys. I want them to be taught by people who are super excited about being there, super energized about being there. That benefits them. I bet their test scores probably go up when they're taught by people like that. So I want to know what that environment looks like when we think about a workplace environment. So one of the questions that we could do another uh, talk on would be salary. I'll just say this about salary, and then we can do Q&A, and I'll stay here till 10 o'clock. So we're going to talk about more things than we're actually going to actually talk about today. Salary's cool. We should pay our educators more money. Okay, but stop. So, but we should do both and. I will say this about salaries. I could take a teacher working in a, a really supportive, engaging thoughtful environment and pay them uh, $60,000 a year to do this job and they might love their work. I could pay this person $70,000 to do it in an environment where they have no say in decision making, they're in, they're in a toxic relationships with their colleagues under unbelievable parent pressure. Now they make $10,000 more than this person. This person's not going to say you don't pay me enough. They're going to say you don't pay me enough to put up with this garbage. So when we talk about salary, we could go on to a really divisive conversation that ends at the result being, what's your misery worth to you? So I don't want to reduce the complexity of recruiting and retaining educators down to dollar signs, except I would like to repeat that we should pay educators more money. Did I make that super clear? Because at the Q&A part when you say, so you don't think, no, I said it three times. Nope, this way. The other thing we, I have not been talking about is morale. This is not about happiness. If, if morale was the, was, the, the, was the thing that was running educators out of the profession or not attracting them to it, then we could just do donuts in the, you know, in the staff lounge, we'll do Taco Tuesdays, and we'll do clowns and jugglers for professional development. So I'm not anti-donut or tacos. I am anti-clown, but I, I, um, I think those are great. But morale is a, is, a, is a temporary fix on the balloon leaking water. Morale is not the target of good culture and climate at a, in a workplace. Morale is the outcome of good workplace conditions. So nothing impacts morale more than how we manage and lead people, and how we manage and lead our own relationships with each other. 
Again, play out to a cynical level. If you give me five math curriculums in three years over which I've had no say, please keep your donuts. Ask me questions about what's going to impact my job and my teaching and my learning, and bring me donuts. The other key ingredient of this is that we have to have real conversations about the conditions in which we are working, something that schools, for the most part, see as a general blind spot because we don't see ourselves as employers. We see ourselves as a place where kids come to learn. Those are two slightly different iterations of the same being. And so I think we have to be real. I think I see good to great on the bookshelf of every principal or superintendent I've ever been in. And I'm like, good. Good would be great. <laughs> so let's be honest about this. Let's start. It's OK. Let's start. Because maybe, maybe good is aspirational for now. And that's OK. Let's get to good. And let's deal with where we really are as a, as a culture, as, a, as an organizational um, um, team. Let's deal with it and be honest about it and start to grow. And then in a few years, together, we're going to get to great. And that's going to be awesome. So I think my next book is probably going to be something like, um, maybe like, are you kidding me? To, no, it's not seriously. It's not that bad. So it would be very Minnesotan, and I think it's going to be great. <laughs> the next kind of element about this is this statement. This looks awesome on Post-it notes, T-shirts, coffee mugs, and pencils. And I think it's a wonderful spiritual and emotional grounding for educators, and one that is shared by educators. So it's a wonderful belief system. I happen to think it's a really dangerous management philosophy. If, if this is true, then if I can raise MCA math and reading scores exponentially, but it costs me 50% of my staff every eight years in order to do it, then it really is all about the kids. Or as an individual, if I get to work at 5 a.m. and I stay till 10 and I'm miserable and I haven't seen my own wife in a month and a half and I hate everybody, but I love the kids so much, then no. That is not a good personal management system either. So when we th the word all is what is the scary piece of this. Me actually going on date night and getting a good night's sleep means that the papers are not going to get graded as quickly. But I'm going to be a much better teacher tomorrow. I'm cool with that. You should also get your papers graded in a reasonable time because that's good. So I really want to question how much we have baked this into the DNA of, of teaching and learning and what it actually means when we play it out to the nth degree within our schools. Well, it must be the leader then. So we got the salary taken care of, so let's pay everybody. Then it's got um, to be the leader. It is and it isn't. Leadership turnover is at about the same clip as teacher turnover. Do we coach, reward, measure, celebrate, correct the management behaviors of principals? Not necessarily. I can name schools 
I'll, I'll make sure I don't make eye contact with anybody. I can name schools where their student test scores are awesome, and the leaders even get good press, and yet they lose half of their admin team every three years. They lose half of their teachers every three years. So the widgets coming out of the machine are amazing, but the engineering of the machine is broken. So that model doesn't work either. The way that we work with principals, can they lead people? Are they supported in their own practice and their own growth? It's as important as everything else I've been talking about tonight. The end portrait then is, yes, let's pay people. And yes, let's make sure that we have our thinking of our own children dialed in. Yes, we need good leadership. And all of that says, yes, I do love my job when we start to add those components up. Beep, boop, bop. I mentioned a survey that we have, that we use with, 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 with schools. And I'll, I'll close by saying that we measure three forms of final job satisfaction. Means, means nothing to me. Um, we say positive view of the self. I like myself and I feel good about what I do. Then we talk about I feel good about being an educator. That would be positive view of the profession. Then we talk about, and I like doing it here, positive view of the workplace. There's one question on this on the that you maybe can't see in the back. I would suggest this school is a great place to work to an individual seeking employment. This school is doing great, by the way. 56% of those people strongly agreed with that, with that statement. They actually are a great school, and they're doing well, and that number will go up because they're working really hard at it. When I look at numbers like that, that's where I think the revolution is. The revolution is when we have School X competing like mad to get great people to come and stay, that School Y can't help but say, we better hustle too. And School Z says, oh man, we better get our act in order. I want schools to own the competition they're already having for human capital. We're already competing for a dwindling resource. Own it. Go onto a website when you get home tonight and find me and do this. Send it to me, please. Please send me one website that actively markets its school district as an employer, not just to the parent and the student. And send it to me. I'd be very, very curious. Because, lastly, on my last note, I don't know why that alarm went off. Oh, it's because of the technical difficulty. How many schools were listed in this year's 100 Best Companies to Work For by Minnesota Business? How many were in the top workplaces by the Star Tribune? What? That's right. It doesn't happen. So part of this revolution is that, and I'm no joke, my own practice is turning without an ounce of cynicism towards the idea that we will certify your school as a great place to teach and lead. So that as a parent, you say, are people engaged here? Do they stay? As a future teacher, you say, are, should I come work here? When you get your job offer with the much more money than it would have been before, can you sit with your spouse and actively say, here's what I'm getting myself into? When we have that, that is the revolution. We will say to young people, you absolutely should do this job. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I can't wait for your questions. 
Ed Talks is presented by Achieve Minneapolis and the Citizens League in partnership with Indigo Education and Pollen. Thanks to our generous sponsors, the Bush Foundation and the Vern C. Johnson Family Foundation. For more information on Ed Talks or to watch Ed Talks videos or listen to audio podcasts, visit AchieveMPLS.org.